Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Hey, welcome back to the show. It's me, the same guy from every week. And this time I have a new guest with me, one of my Fire Emblem playing friends. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Lace. I'm friends with PT here. And I'm a huge fan of Fire Emblem, so let's have our little conversation. Yeah, today we'll be talking mainly about Fire Emblem Three Houses, the new game in the series that's coming out later this year. And it recently had a trailer D3 that actually recontextualized a lot of the game. But for those who don't know, it's kind of the Fire Emblem meets... Harry Potter and Persona, I guess, where it takes place at a school and you gotta teach all the people how to be Fire Emblem characters, I guess. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds a bit correct, I would say. Teaching them how to fight and all that. It's Fire Emblem 101. <laughs> that should be the real name. <laughs> <laughs> Houses is a bit clunky to me, but I know the Japanese name is, it doesn't translate well to English for some reason, which I think is very interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, in Japanese it's called Fire Emblem Wind, Flowers, Snow, Moon, which I believe is a reference of some type. Yeah, it's a reference to, like, a Chinese poem or something, and, like, I think the meaning is very beautiful, but, yeah, it doesn't, it's definitely a little, that's also clunky for English, so I feel like it was one of those situations where it just, no one was going to win, so I guess Three Houses works because, you know, we're dealing with three different houses. It's very, yeah. very to the point. Yeah, the, the term lost in translation exists for a reason, I always think. Yes, yes, agreed. Like, I might have called it the three houses or something, but maybe that's asking too much. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little too much, but I, I think... Three yeah, houses! It's three houses! <laughs> Just slap it out there bluntly. Yeah, very, very bluntly. <laughs> but it takes place on the continent of... I wasn't there for, like, any of the trailers where they said this out loud, but I always read the continent as Fodlin. It is. It's Fodlin, yes. Fodlin? Fodlin. Yeah, that that little accent above the O makes it more O than ah, I guess. Um, I forget the name of that accent, but I, I took French, and it sounds, it sounds a bit French, maybe a bit Irish. Um, but Fodlin, yeah, Fodlin. Oh, that's kind of fun to say. <laughs> it rhymes with Yodlin. Yodlin. <laughs> oh my goodness, so, that's too much. I love it. Really batting a thousand with these names so far. Oh my goodness, yes they are. But at least this time we actually have a name for the continent and not a name, you know, unlike Fates where there was no name. You know, like as one of our associates says, it's Fatelandia. Um I know, I've know, I know one time I was writing a fanfic that I never published, and I called the continent Fates Falls, which kind of, kind of works, but um, I just think that's, it's interesting that Fates didn't have a name for their continent, but this one does, and I'm glad this one does, it just, it makes it more cohesive. Yeah, even in my weird up and down relationship with Fire Emblem Fates, that was always one thing I thought, 
Oh, they usually do that. Why didn't they do it this time? For sure. And there's uh, the Church of Seiros, which I'm going to... I don't know anything about the storyline of the game. I'm just taking a shot in the dark that we probably shouldn't trust this church. Yeah, it sounds like... I I mean, in general, I feel like games that have churches you just shouldn't um, trust because... I know, like, in Final Fantasy X, the Church of Yevon turned out to be super corrupt. So I feel like this church may have something a bit more sinister going on. Um, the only yeah. the only video game church that isn't evil, to my knowledge, is the Sanctuary in Link's, A Link to the Past. Yeah, I, I never played that game, but I, I figure, you know, like with Nintendo and Zelda, and especially like A Link to the Past, I think it was more lighthearted than some of the other Zelda games we have seen. Um, but that makes sense. And I think, um, I haven't played through all of Octopath yet, but like the church that Ophelia is a member of, I don't think has like anything super sinister about it. They're just really staunch oh, yeah. in their traditions. I can confirm or deny that Octopath example, but I'll let you get through the game itself. Yeah. <laughs> so, the three houses, it's because, you know, kind of like how Hogwarts has four houses, the the Fodlin School has three houses, which all belong to different kingdoms, if I recall correctly? Uh, yeah, they're different kinds of kingdoms. Um, there's, I forget the names of each of the kingdoms, but um, Edelgard's kingdom is actually an empire dimitri has an actual kingdom and then claude has um it's sort of like a republic i think it's like a republic of peoples or something like that i forget the exact name for it but that's the um that's what it is so yeah technically like three kingdoms but they're not all kingdoms so three territories there we go yeah and they're all buddy buddy with each other yeah they're definitely all buddies for sure and then we get a time skip. Yeah, the time skip is very um, interesting. I didn't expect that when the E3 trailer happened, when they showed like the different designs and everything. I thought that was very interesting. And I was very excited. I actually had goosebumps. I don't think I got that excited, but I thought, <laughs> oh, wow, this definitely introduces a few new elements to the game. Yeah, definitely. I know, like, like Fire Emblem Awakening had their little time travel thing, so having a time skip, uh, I can't really think of many games that do that currently. Like, I, I'm very particular with my games. I don't have one in particular that I remember having a time skip, but I know some movies and shows do that. And um, it's always interesting seeing how things progress or, like, how they progressed. Like, we have the characters just looking really young, and then you see them looking older, and it's just like, well, what happened to them? Because they all had very different, distinct looks. My go-to example for a game with a time skip would probably be Final Fantasy VI or Ocarina of Time, but uh, those were a little bit different in that in, in the Final Fantasy VI example... It's only one year, and while the world has changed radically, everyone still kind of looks the same, at least, and it doesn't take too much for them to join you as if nothing ever happened. Yeah. And in Ocarina of Time, well, it, it's a matter of time travel, so it's not really... Yeah, the, oh my god, how could I forget Ocarina of Time? Like, Ocarina of Time is like... 
the go-to time travel game, I feel like. Oh, my goodness. What kind of person am I to forget Ocarina of Time? (laughs) 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 I could have had a V8. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, I feel that... um, Final Fantasy VI, I haven't played that. I'm actually very, I'm not new to the Final Fantasy series, but I don't play a lot of Final Fantasy games. So I don't even recall six. I just, I know seven and above. So did six, I guess six did come out in America. Yeah, it was originally Final Fantasy three for the Super Nintendo. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Up until seven, it was like we got every other Final Fantasy almost. So we got one. We didn't get any more until 4, which was localized into 2, and then 3, that was 6. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I kind of hate how some video game companies do that, where they like change it because of the localization. Because if you're, I don't want to say if you're a true fan, but if you're a fan of a series and you really want to go deeper into the lore and the gameplay, it's like I want to play them in order and I don't want them to all be like different names because it's it's confusing to people who may not be that deep into a game. Well, remember, this was during the NES and Super Nintendo era. That's so true, yeah. Weren't... Yeah, so like games like Final Fantasy and Fire Emblem and all that, they, they probably wouldn't have done super well over in the States until like maybe later on in time. The global market wasn't as established back then. Yeah, that's true. That makes sense. They showed some gameplay during the Treehouse segment of Fire Emblem Three Houses. I didn't really watch that, though. Did you see anything? Yeah, I did get to see the gameplay um, on the second day of the E3 conference. Uh, It was the one they opened up with, actually. Audrey and the two other women were just talking about the Fire Up, like the new game. And it was really interesting how you play it because you actually control Byleth and you actually can walk around the church. It's very an immersive world and there's fast travel throughout the land. Mm Which is very interesting. It's very, it's more open world than what we're used to seeing in a Fire Emblem game, um, which I thought was very interesting of a choice. And so I'm ex- actually kind of excited about that because I always imagine myself, you know, having a character and being able to run around and seeing the environment because Fire Emblem has such, you know, it's a, such an interesting game. So it's interest, it's good to finally be able to see the world the characters are actually in. And they also showed, like, they implied that there um, is a classic and casual choice. And I think Audrey was, she was um, playing, I think, on classic because she says, oh, we might actually see this character die. And I was like, oh, oh, she's, she's hardcore. (laughs) But um, she's, or she's just a traditional player, I guess. (laughs) She just was playing through the game and explained different aspects of it, how like the classing system is now like exams. You have each of your little units and students take exams to reclass and any character can reclass into anything, but you have to like teach them those skills first. And if, and, um, they have a percentage of how they pass the exam. So if it's 100%, they will 100% go on into this class. And she had, I think it was Linhart reclass into a cavalier type character. And um, and he had 100%. But, like some char- but if you don't teach the characters certain skills, they have a lesser chance of passing that exam. Um, which I thought was a very interesting take to reclass. Um, but it's also more open. They did do the gender restrictions again with classes, though. So, like, 
female characters I don't think can be um, not berserkers, but like fighters. They can't be fighters, but male characters I don't think can be Pegasus Knights. So they went back to the gender exclusivity of ex exclusivity, yeah, exclusivity of the classes, but it's still more open into what character can go into what class that their gender specifies. Uh, they took two steps forward, then one step back. Yeah, pretty much. It was, um, yeah, it's, it's okay. I'm not, like, too upset about that. You know, like, I, I kind of like having, like, the male Pegasus Knights. And honestly, I love female fighter characters. Yeah, I don't see so, what the big deal is. Like, why, why can't they just be these classes? Yeah, I don't either. I don't really see why that's a problem, I guess, to the Japanese developers. But I like having, like, female characters with axes. Um, I always played as... Camilla as a berserker, and she was so good as a berserker. And I, really? oh, it was Camilla. Oh, I love Camilla, but that's you know, in fate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's so that's interesting. Um, so I'm I'm a little disappointed, but it's not enough to turn me off from the game. I'm just kind of like, oh, really? Okay. One of the gameplay features I remember seeing is some kind of a battalion thing. Where I guess your formations matter now. You you do formations now. Yeah, something like that. I didn't quite understand it, but you can basically assign battalions to each of your units. So it gives them more of a chance, I think, for critical hits and stuff. So it's more immersive and it, I guess more realistic because like if you're going into a war or a fight or just a battle, it doesn't make sense to just have six little units. It makes sense for them to have like their own little supportive team to like help them. So I guess it adds more to the effect of there are more than just the students. There are actual soldiers helping them fight and like teaching them, I guess. Going to blur the line between fire and woman, fire and warriors. Yeah, I, I think maybe they got inspiration from that. Uh, now, these battalions and the, the backup soldiers that assist your character, are they the other characters or are they just nameless soldiers? I think they're just nameless soldiers. They they looked like the pretty much generic soldiers that sometimes they that get portraits in the other games. They just were pretty much generic soldiers. Okay, I'm really looking forward to the possibility of Maybe one soldier, one of the generic soldiers, like has some kind of weird background element where their model just freaks out or something, or yeah, that or would someone be... hacks their model in place of another character and they become like, <laughs> a, a subtle fan favorite. It's like I remember that soldier. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that I think is actually a carryover from Shadows of Valentia is I believe there's some equivalent to Mila's Turnwheel here. Um, yes, there's, uh, I forget what they called it, but basically, I don't think it has a specific name, but if you make a mistake in battle and one of your characters falls, you can actually, um, go back several turns. There is a limit to it, but you can go back certain, a number of moves, but so that way, if you made a mistake, you can erase that mistake and start over pretty much instead of just having to start a whole battle over because you made one silly mistake. So that's interesting. And they also brought back from Shadows of Valentia um, combat arts. So certain characters have like certain combat arts assigned to them and they just do certain moves. So that's another cool thing they brought back from a past game. 
I wasn't too wild about the combat arts because I didn't like how everything cost hit points in that game. Yes, I agree. I wasn't um, a huge. I didn't really use the combat arts a lot in Shadows of Valentia. The one time I did, they were like kind of helpful. I mostly use them on the archer type characters because they can hit from far away, so they're not in any real danger of being hit back. So so I didn't mind them losing some hit points unless they were closer to an enemy that could hit them back. Uh, Miller's turn will, though. I don't, I'm not sure how I got along without it. I actually didn't use it that much, but I also play on casual mode. So, like, if someone dies, I'm not too hung up over it. Although I've gotten better about making sure my units don't die. So I just, I didn't really... Need I didn't really need it because most of my characters honestly didn't really die that often. And if they did, I was like, oh, well, you know, they'll be back later. Like on the final fight, I I didn't lose any units. So that was exciting. I lost Cliff. <laughs> I just I just play really carefully. And even on I was careful, too. <laughs> no, sometimes that game, I think the hit rates were total. Wow. Like I had a character with a 97 percent hit rate. And they missed. And then a ki- the enemy they were fighting had like a 3% hit rate and they hit. And I was like, what is that? What? I see the odds before me, but that still does not make sense. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of Shadows of Valentia was just like, what is going on? I am so upset right now. Uh, especially those witches teleporting or bringing you to other places. I thought, okay, okay, game. That's a little... That's, oh my god, The at least the witches were really low on health and defense, so they were easy to kill off, but if they hit you, man, they hit you. So I'm kind of hoping they don't bring those back to three houses, but I, I feel like it's a low chance they will, but it would still be very interesting, I think, regardless. We've seen what happens with low chances. Yeah, that, that <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well... I should clarify before we get off Shadows of Valencia is that I also play on casual mode because I know what I'm about. It's I'm also a bit of a perfectionist, so if anyone dies, it still rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, that's I'm a bit like that too. I don't I don't really want to lose any units. The only game I was okay with losing units were the older Fire Emblems because like you get really far into a battle and then you lose someone, and if they're not like a key character, I'm like. I could probably move on without them, but it, it still stings a little bit because it's like, should I start this 30-minute battle over or could I just move on without them? And um, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. It really just depends on the character I lost. Like, I wonder which characters I'll get attached to in Three Houses where I have to actually consider moving on if I play on classic mode, if there is a classic mode. It, it was implied, though. I don't think they're ever going to get rid of the classic casual dichotomy now yeah i i'm very and i'm thankful for that because you know for more casual players hence casual mode it definitely it just makes it a more accessible game because some people just you know want to keep their characters and yeah maybe it makes it a little less realistic but like other games you know like if someone dies in battle they're not like dead forever like i i think of final fantasy games are like that sometimes so, like, if someone falls in battle, you can just revive them and they're okay. So, I'm glad that they do have the classic casual dichotomy, like you said. Yeah, I mean, you, you always get those purists out there 
who like they'll they'll decry casual mode and even if they don't do it you can tell they're thinking it yeah that's so true and that's it's really frustrating as a fire emblem fan because i just i started with awakening and i really enjoyed awakening you know it's one of my favorite games and i know a lot of people are like oh awakening is blah 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 and i'm just like just just leave me alone. I just really like Awakening, and I like and I like the older games too. So it just it got my feet wet, and it made me a big fan of this series. And so now you know seeing this series flourish is really exciting. And so that makes me excited for Three Houses. I know there was like a lot of mixed feelings at first, but the more I see of it, the more excited I'm getting about it. I'm looking at the character page, and I'm reminded that. Our main character, Byleth, is yet another Avatar character, and the second in a, in a row, unless, well, unless Shadows of Valencia counts as a game, but it is another protagonist Avatar, too, much like Corrin was. Yeah, which um, is interesting. And I think they're a silent protagonist, because in the trailers they weren't ever speaking, so it's kind of like oh, a whole it's it's they're kind of like link in a way cuz he doesn't ever really talk. So this is a silent protagonist from what I've seen and I think that'll be kind of cool but also like kind of awkward cuz it's like if they're talking and asking questions like how do you respond? Is it like a Pokémon situation where it's just implied they respond or that's that'll be interesting to see how they make that play out and um i'm i'm just interested i guess hmm yeah i don't i don't like the idea of a silent avatar because robin and corin spoke and i actually appreciated that they weren't just i i never really saw them as avatars i kind of saw them as their own people because i never really related to either of them yeah, I feel the same. They felt like their own characters while still supposedly representing the player. That's kind of cool. But, like, to me, Robin was Robin, and Corin was Corin, and they might kind of represent me, but ultimately they're still not me because, like, the choices they might have made in the game don't really line up with, like, what I would do necessarily. Like, Corin sometimes felt a little naive at times, and I'm not, you know, trashing Corin on that. Um, that's just kind of how that character trope goes. Um, but to me, like, I'm like, I, I could see the forest for the trees, and Corin couldn't. And so to me, that doesn't really represent me, but I know sh um, they were supposed to. And then with Robin, Robin's like very analytical and like a true tactician which is i guess what the player is supposed to be like cuz you have to you know it's a strategy game so it kind of makes sense that you're playing a tactician and um so i appreciate that little little dig right there the three houses are the black eagles who are red mhm mm the blue lions and the golden deer which uh i'm i'm sure it's supposed to sound majestic but i just think of like just like a, a arts and crafts construction paper deer it's like like uh, you tried yeah it's it's interesting <laughs> like like you said since it's kind of like harry potter meets fire emblem you know like you have gryffindor and hufflepuff and ravenclaw and slytherin and it, it it's very high school which i guess is what this is supposed to be but like i just think of when i was in high school and like 
for like football teams or whatever, you know, there's the rivalry between like the Mustangs and the Bulldogs. And like, it just, it sounds ridiculous if you're not a part of that culture. So like, yeah, it might sound kind of silly at first, but at the same time, it's, um, it's, it's still like, you have to just immerse yourself in it and just understand that, you know, this is really important to these characters um, no matter how silly it may sound at first. I noticed you and some of our other friends have been talking about which house you prefer. I was asked, you know, which house I look like I wanted to favor in the game. And honestly, I still don't know. Yeah, no, I understand. Cause like each character is, has like their own little like positive that like I, I appreciate. Um, know our friends were really into Dimitri and the Blue Lions just because um, his students had better character designs or at least more interesting character designs. Um, I really am going towards either the Black Eagles or the Golden Deer just because I might just do Black Eagles because I like playing as a like I want to be on the side of the female lord. Um, But also I really like the Golden Deer because I like what they represent. I think um, Claude is the type of character that brings about the characters that are supposedly weak, but can grow into stronger characters. I think he goes for more of the non-nobles. So I'm kind of going towards that, but also I'm really interested in the Black Eagles as well. So I'm kind of torn right there. I'm uh, kind of looking through these character designs that you tell me so much about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Uh, I feel like there's characters I like and dislike in each house. So yeah. That's... I can't use that as a metric. Yes, I, I agree. Like, I mean, they're all interesting in their own way. Even if I, like, I know maybe, like, I may not be immediately attracted to those designs, but at the same time, I'm not, like, totally put off by them. Like, I think the characters are still interesting in each of their own individuality. That's kind of where I stand. I'm not really, I'm more about what the house represents rather than what the characters are in it like, which I guess kind of goes the same for like anything. What do each of the houses represent in your reckoning? They didn't really give us a lot of information on it um, in the trailers. At least the ones I've seen have not given a lot of information. But to me, uh, I kind of think of it as different um, countries and what they could possibly represent. Like, Dimitri is a pretty Russian name. So I'm thinking maybe his ideals kind of reach and um, represent, like, Russian, the Russian kinds of kingdoms in history that's kind of that's kind of like the influence I'm getting there. Um, Edelgard, she's part of an empire, and that makes me think of Japan and their imperialism back in way before like World War II. And so I'm thinking maybe she represents something kind of similar to that. And I see well, a lot the of British Empire. Yeah, like um, I think a, a lot of fans theorize that she's kind of um, really harsh. Um, so I, I have a feeling that maybe she kind of represents something like that. And then Claude is from, I think a Republic. And that makes me think of more open types of government. And I'm more drawn to that too. So I think that's what each of them are supposed to at least be influenced by, but I don't know if that's necessarily what they represent. Mm. Yeah. It's just, that's, that's kind of how I looked at fates too. Like, you know, Hoshida was obviously Japan 
and nor was obviously Germany. At least to me, it was obviously Germany. I think it's just a pastiche of medieval Europe. Yeah. Because they had a lot of like Celtic-inspired music. And mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, lots of Celtic music and lots of lots of Norse um, influences too. So I think it was definitely a little hodgepodge of um, European types of government. I just to me it was it, to me Germany stood out a bit more, and I kind of look at Fire Emblem Kingdoms like that in general, like oh you know this is looks like it was influenced by this and yada 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 so that's kind of how i'm looking at three houses right now because i don't really have other information to go off of other than like what they look like well i think and uh you heard it here first folks i think i might be drifting toward the eagles for no real great reason uh, they're the red ones and uh, the fact that I can call them the Eagles makes me think of the band. <laughs> That's reasonable. <laughs> That's reasonable. <laughs> uh, That's kind of where I stand, too. Like, um, I probably will ultimately choose Black Eagles because I'm a little put off by deer because back in November, a deer totaled my car and I'm a little, I'm a little bitter. So every time I see a deer or oh, deer inspired, dear. like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that that was way too low hanging. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just a little, so I'm a little bitter towards deer. So I'm, I'm probably won't choose golden deer just because of that. Like I might choose him second, <laughs> but like I just, I just think of what happened to my car. I'm just so upset. God! <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> I looked at the 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 uh, insignia for the golden deer and those antlers. It kind of put me off too. I I have this thing where if if a fictional deer's antlers are way too big and decorative, it kind of puts me off a little bit. And I don't know, maybe that's a survival instinct among deers or something to. Deers, deer, where <laughs> they have bigger antlers to ward off predators. I don't know, but it's the same reason why I didn't like Xerneas and Pokemon X. Yeah, that was a bit much, honestly, just a so, little much. But uh, yeah, I that's for Pokemon Y. Yeah, I, no, I definitely agree. When it when they're too much, I'm just like, how are you holding your head up? Like, wow, you're. You're really strong, I guess. Like, I don't know. I just kind of am... I, I feel similarly. Just... It's, there's something it's not, there. It's not a physics thing. It's like a, like some kind of, like, uncanny valley type thing where it's just like, ew. Ew. Yeah. No, I feel that. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, I guess we're... Uh, yeah. Hashtag Team Eagle. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we're, like, the only ones, I feel like. <laughs> At least in our friend group. Well, there's like like eight of us, so that's a good fourth, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I feel that. Yeah, that's a good fourth. We represent the one fourth of the Black Eagles fandom. <laughs> I'm reading that they took out the child unit mechanic. Ah, yes. The ch- there are no children units. Um, so no worry of your future progeny in passing down skills. 
I, I did like that strategic element of the past two Fire Emblem games, but Faith, it felt kind of, it didn't fit quite well because it was like, why are there suddenly children in the baby realms? And it just felt kind of weird. Um, it made sense for Awakening, though. But yeah, no child units so far, and um, or at all. And uh, I'm not, I'm going to say I'm not too displeased about that. I'm actually kind of relieved because I just, I feel like in a game where you're teaching students and then possibly romancing them, I think having children just doesn't fit. Yeah. It made sense in Awakening and among the thousands of things Fate was trying to be, it was also trying to be like Awakening. Yeah. And nobody liked the child justification there. Like they liked the child units, but they didn't like the justification. I don't I don't think a single person liked the baby realm idea. Yeah. I think there might be a few fans out there that really enjoyed it, but for me, I was just like, I didn't, yeah, I didn't hate them, but it just, it just felt out of place. Yeah, it, it felt like the story very easily exists without it. Yeah, that's yeah. It just, it felt a little extra, and it was extra I did not want. I think those those fans those fans you mentioned. They probably just like the gameplay, or they like the child unit themselves. Yeah. I don't think anyone actually likes the justification for them being here, though, is what I'm... Like, like I really enjoyed Forrest as a character, and I really enjoyed Midori. And, um, and I liked Kana. I thought Kana was really cute. But the justification for it, and just throwing your children into a realm, and then suddenly they're like nine years old... That made me a little uneasy, but other than that, like I didn't, I didn't hate the characters. I just didn't like the justification for it and how it came about. Yeah, and it says that you can't, you can't ship Byleth with any of the students until after they've already graduated, which I am okay with because we don't want that underage stuff. <laughs> yeah, a- that'd be a little. Like, oh, hello, Kamoshida. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, mm, you know, Fates kind of played with that idea, and it was really, mm. but, um, but here at least you wait till they graduate, which still it's kind of weird, but you know, like, because they were your student, and yeah, but, but I'm not like totally put off by it. Like, at least they're of age, so it's like, okay, Fire Emblem, you're learning. <laughs> Unless there's a character who is introduced as a unit who is not a former student, I'm probably just not gonna ship at all. Yeah, if they're if they weren't a student, I would be like less about it. But like if they are a student that I taught, I'd be like, I don't know. It just it puts a bad taste in my mouth. But like at least they wait till after. Like they wait till the future. So I guess I guess it's okay. Like I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about it, I think. Yeah, that's fair. I think we'll we'll have to wait for the game to come out. Yeah. Actually comes out the day after my birthday, which means it actually comes out on Henry's birthday then. Yeah, that's exciting though. I don't get any special birthday messages like when I played Awakening on my birthday. Oh. <laughs> I know I love that about Awakening like 
I think that was a really cute little mechanic. I always would play on my birthday just to see my son say, happy birthday, mother. And I just, it just I was just like, Mark, and I love you, <laughs> my son. But, um, and, and like Pokemon games do that too, where you go into a Pokemon center and it plays the Pokemon theme on like a, like on a xylophone or glockenspiel or something. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun word um but like it's just like really sounds happy birthday and it's super cute so i wonder if they'll do something similar in three houses i think that would be really cool um because i love it when someone celebrates my birthday in a video game i don't really care much for it in real life but in a video game i'm like i am being validated thank you yeah it's always nice when games and game systems uh, acknowledge the player's birthday. I remember turning on my DS on my birthday, and the it, it was just a little higher pitch. It was like, it was yeah, like, Aw. yeah. I remember that, and I thought I was like, oh, you remembered. <laughs> so I think that's mainly all there is to talk about with Fire Emblem Three Houses so far. Any final thoughts you have? Um, I'm just really looking forward to the game, and I'm interested in seeing what it has to say to us. Like, I'm interested in what the story is about. There's a lot of stuff that they haven't told us in the trailer, and I'm really excited to see how everything plays out. Yeah, I'm really interested to know how they're going to fit, like, that calendar system into... Yes, that'll be interesting. Especially with the time skip. Yeah. Unless they just, like, like, yeah, post-grad. Let's go. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that would be, that would be wild. Oh my gosh. Uh, Do you have any plugs you'd like to make? Or anywhere they could find you or anything like that? Oh, of course. Um, I have an art Twitter called Hey It's Lacey K., um, so feel free to follow that. I mostly post art and retweet art, and that's pretty much what I do. I'm also an author on archiveofourown.org. My name is Lace Kyoko 1138 If you're interested in just reading some stories, um, you're more than welcome to just look at them. And uh, that's that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you for appearing on the show, Lace. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Uh, if any of you out there are interested in more BitCast episodes, then you can follow the BitCast on Podcast One's website and app, and you can follow the BitCast on Twitter, where I'm usually posting observations and jokes or retweeting things that catch my interest. Usually, you can tell what game I'm going to do an episode on based on what I'm tweeting about lately. Usually. Like, sometimes I'll su- surprise people out of nowhere. It's like, by the way, talking about 50 Cent now. Go! <laughs> that, that was an episode I did, like, approximately 20 episodes ago. Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. That is incredible. I think I did tune in a little bit for that, just to, like, hear the little 50 Cent thing. That's incredible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. See you on the next one. See ya.
Listen to BitCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.